Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Kirby into Walsh. Lovely build up. Walsh finding Kirby. Russo! Saved by Mizzou! Oh! Oh! Wow! What was that? More history for the Lionesses! Second half blitz has blown Sweden away. England will get their shot at glory. Wembley awaits. Germany are pressing. Looking for Pop. And she scores again! Couldn't make this up. Welcome back to Upfront at the Euros. I'm Flo Lloyd Hughes. I'm Chloe Morgan. And I'm Rachel O'Sullivan. Next stop, Wembley! England stroll through their semi-final without so much as a shrug of the shoulders as they beat Olympic silver medalist Sweden by four goals to zilch. That's zero, Z-E-R-O. Also, France and Germany played, so that's nice. No, but seriously, Germany have got a shot at their ninth Euros title after a 2-1 win. It was far from easy, though. From the pop masterclass to a certain cheeky back heel, we are here to relive it all, my friends. Right, we haven't podded yet since Tuesday night, right? Tuesday night. Um, maybe one of the greatest nights of my life. I don't know what you guys feel. Chloe, is it up there with one of the best nights of your life? I <laughs> relive it constantly throughout the day. I just, um, I've been waiting to do this podcast for two days now and it's finally come. And I just, um, that game was everything I fucking wanted. Everything I wanted in a game. And Flo, I, you know, I saw the clips of you, mate, with your trumpet, your trumpet or something. What was it? <laughs> Smashing your trumpet about on the street. And that's not even a euphemism. That's what oh, no, it was a did. megaphone. It was a megaphone. Oh, me a megaphone. And, me and my right, friend were, were fighting over a megaphone and then she tried to snatch off me and actually broke it when I was announcing to everyone that we're going to Weatherspoons in the town. Is Center, that what the fight so, was about outside? <laughs> yeah. I heard about that. You're the, you're the kind of fans that we don't want at the game anymore, Flo. <laughs> you've, made, you've made it that way. Um, but no, we obviously you took the train up there. Uh, the train was absolutely rampacked of, you know, all these like beautiful supporters and all their beautiful England kits. Got down there, had a couple of pints, went to the game and the atmosphere again. I mean, it was just outstanding. Everyone, there was so much expectation, so much hype around it. And to be honest, I mean... It really didn't um, disappoint in any way, shape or form. I mean, we sat down first few minutes again, very, very nervy. Squeaky bum time. I felt like my heart was going to drop out from my bum. And um, Again? 
Yeah, we rode it out. We did ride it out. Yeah, again, heart <laughs> bum. Just um, something about it. Yeah, but um, no, just uh, just living it. Just living it over and over again. Rachel, I know that like obviously you're Irish. That's not exactly shock of the century. Um, but you Newsflash. are you are an England fan at your heart and your and your core. And you know you often call uh, refer to England as we. So how Lionesses was the night for you? Was it? Sorry, sorry. Uh, was it everything you hoped of and more? Yeah, it was absolutely ridiculous. I think me and Sophie were talking about this. It's like, it's really different when you're working it because we're separate from each other. And, you know, the last kind of semi-final heartbreaks we've gone through at tournaments, you know, she's often crying when England have been knocked out and it's all very sad. And, you know, at least we're together. Whereas both of us are like separately celebrating. Um, it was it was a weird kind of, it felt like I didn't get a chance to properly kind of like enjoy it uh, as much as I would have liked because I wasn't surrounded by people who were like absolutely bonkers crazy about it. Um, which was a shame. But uh, afterwards, like we had a whole load of stuff to do afterwards. And there was, we both had to meet at the media center to, I don't know, I think we had to switch phones or something. And it was such a wanky thing. I like ran into her arms and she spun me around. It was quite cute. Um, so we were very excited about that. That is adorable. That. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very, very excited. Um, but yeah, it's just, oh God, the first 20 minutes, I didn't, again, didn't enjoy. I tried to distract myself with my camera, you know, taking my photos, just flicking through them, deleting them, just like not really watching the football because I was getting very stressed about the whole thing. Uh, and then, Jesus, first goal went in and we were away. It was, it was plain sailing after that. Um, I similarly kind of, I, I part like selfishly and part because it was the biggest drama of all time about how many seats were going to be in the press box and I was just like do you know what I can't even be asked to, to scrum and fight for a seat so I'm just going to sit in the seat that I a ticket that I bought about a year ago and I'm just going to sit in that and then have my iPad and basically work from there um, and it was really nice to be in the crowd and watch a game because it's the first England game I've been able to do that and it felt special being part of that and now I don't want to go back to the press box for the final <laughs> I'm like oh please don't I don't I want to be in the crowd again um it was it was wild we had some really funny French a French family behind us who were really getting into it and supporting England um, my friend had a megaphone that was going down well um and then I don't know if anyone's seen the video of me on social media but there is a video of me like actually like shutting down when Alicia Russo did that back heel. Um, I like, I, I think the reason, right. I was just so shocked and stunned. We're going to get into a bit of the game. Now, the reason I was so shocked and stunned was because those first 15, 20 minutes, England were absolutely under the cosh. So there is no way in God's green earth that I thought that that game was going to end up being 4-0. And I think I still haven't processed it. It still hasn't sunk in. I was so shocked. My girlfriend like, looked at me and she was like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, well, you don't look it. And I was like, well, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm just in shock, I think. Chloe, what was your reaction? <laughs> Well, the thing is, the weirdest thing is, Farah Williams called it at the start of the game. Yes, right. um, she predicted it, and I think it was a bit tongue in cheek from her, thinking that, you know, it's going to be a tight game, but why the hell not? 4 0, let's just throw that out there. And then Farah Williams has now become the prophet of women's football. I mean, it was just, um, it was hairy. I mean, the first 20, 25 minutes or so were very hairy. There was a couple of, um, you know, really early chances for, from Sweden. And, and it, if it wasn't for, uh, you know, Mary Earps again putting out some outstanding saves absolutely heroic saves I think um you know we would have gone one nil down I think it could have been a completely different game but yeah from that first goal it was um 
yeah, I think that's when the crowd really started to get behind because it was very quiet, I think, in the stands for, for a good 15, 20 minutes. I think everyone yeah. was feeling the pressure. Yeah. You know what? I, I don't want to be a dick. And, you know, some people, say, some people say, no, you always are, Flo. But I actually think it was the least good atmosphere of all the England games so far. Rachel, is that Hard to disagree. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it was the worst. I Hard think, disagree. I think the first 20 minutes, you're right. Um, it was very quiet because people were nervy. But once the goals started going in, like I was getting shivers with the cheers around me. Um, maybe it was the crowd in particular behind me. The, but The reaction to the goals was amazing. Yeah, yeah but I had, I had the Swedes to my right. England on my left, here I am, stuck in the middle. Um, and once the Swedes started going, which was like a lot of the time, it felt like the, it got the, the fans behind me going as well. Um, so as it went on and as they scored more goals, I felt like the atmosphere built and built and built. It wasn't the best atmosphere of the tournament, but um, I, I really enjoyed it, like especially the last kind of 20, you know, 30 minutes where I was like, okay, I think once we got the third goal, um, I think people were like, okay, we've got this because there was a moment when it was 2-0 and Mary Earps had to pull off a stunning save from a Stina Blacksenius header. Um, and if they'd gone back 2-1, you know, it just could have, nerves could have crept in. So I think once the third goal went in, the atmosphere started to really, really build. I didn't, re- I didn't think they were that quiet at all. I thought there was a, a healthy noise from kind of 20 minutes on. I think um, we were drowned out a little bit in the first half by the, you know, the mega drums. Um, there was a Swedish corner that was absolutely giving it beans on the drums. And it was, um, I don't know what their chant is, but it's really unnerving and unsettling because it's like out of beat a little bit. And I think they're doing it on purpose. And because Sweden was so again, like they were so on it for the first 15, 20 minutes, I think all of us in the crowd were just silently shitting ourselves. So I don't think the atmosphere was dead. I think we were all just feeling what the what the team were feeling. Yeah. Before we get on talking about one of the greatest goals of all time, um, uh, let's talk about Beth Mead's goal because that was a phenomenal goal, but it was also so important because it just completely changed the dynamic of the game and it meant that at the start of the second half, Sweden were forced to make some substitutions. Did he make like a double or a triple sub very early on in that second half? Too many. That's what it felt like. It felt like he made too many subs um, throughout the second half. I thought he got his, his tactics pretty spot on the first like 20, 25 minutes. We knew there was going to be space in the back for both teams. Sweden were better at exploiting it. Um, I think down the, the left, they had Friedelina Rolfo um, was doing things to Lucy Bronze. I think Lucy Bronze was struggling um, to keep on top of her. <laughs> doing um, really big. So it was just <laughs> put it, so put many it, photos put of Lucy nicely, Bronze just politely. like trying to hang on to her like because Rolfo just kept getting around her. So I do think they did well um, with their width in this game, which I think they struggled with against Belgium. I was surprised to see the likes of Jakobsen brought in who hadn't had a minute played in this Euro. So that was a, a bold move. Um, but yeah, I then think he... <sighs> Once things, once England got the goal, made two early substitutions. I think he used all five, six subs during the during the game, and it was almost like it, by the time he put on another load, I think it just felt like there was no cohesion in the team. Then it, it felt like he was panicking, and it felt like that bled into the team because it was like quick change, quick. We need to change. We need to change, and it just felt like once that had started to happen, they were losing control of 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 the game. Um, because even at two nil that's not necessarily a comfortable score. Like I said, they could have gotten that goal back. They were putting pressure on, on uh, England's goal in the second half. Um, but yeah, I just felt like the subs didn't have the impact, say, England's subs have. It, it felt like he was desperately trying to to change the narrative of the game without kind of telling the team what the narrative should be. Um, and it just, yeah, it, it didn't work for them. 
I think um, I've got to agree with that. I think credit to the sort of game management from England on that on that point, because I think um, Bronze very quickly learned from her mistakes. I think in the first half especially, she was pushing up very, very high and that was leaving a lot of space exposed at the back. And I think that's where two or three really good Swedish chances came from. As soon as she sort of stopped doing that and sort of dropped off a little bit to sort of keep Rolfer in front of her, I think that's when we started to see that, um, that side flank up and get a little bit stronger and the chances stopped coming from that side so much. So, yeah, and I've got to agree as well. I think he must have listen to the podcast because um you know our criticism in the last podcast was you only made one sub at the 89th <laughs> minute of the game <laughs> so he felt obviously up front have spoken and um I'm going to throw all of my substitutions in at, at half time because um that's what the fans want and um it played into our favor because it didn't really there was no there was no massive impact that we really saw from it so um yeah that's a uh, credit to yeah credit to um to England for game managing that that little situation yeah, and that, that bronze header, what which, which was, what, the 50-something minute, 54th minute, something like that. So not long after he makes all those changes and I think disrupts the team a little bit, unsettles them. Bronze gets that header. She's she's left with a, a lot of time and space to, and it kind of went in slow motion, that goal. But even at 2-0, England weren't massively comfortable even then because Sweden was still pushing. Blackstenius then has that chance where Earps just tips it over the bar. There's back-to-back corners, don't lead to anything. Earps grabs the ball, and there begins the passage of play that leads to Alicia Russo's phenomenal, just like unbelievable goal in the 68th minute. I tried to count all the passes, but like it didn't quite count because Lauren Hemp had a shot that wasn't really a pass, but Lucy Bronze rescued the ball. So I was like, I'm not going to count the passes here. This is just silly. But... Robin Cowan on the uh, on the BBC comms, she kind of referenced the patient build-up play from England for that Russo goal. And it was one of the first times we really saw them kind of like settle into the game and look comfortable and feel like they could play their style, their game. So they were just passing it around, passing it around, recycling it, trying to find an opening, then sending it back to Kira Walsh when there wasn't, sending it back to Leah Williamson. And that rhythm, that build-up, it grew and grew and grew. And then it led to the opportunity opening up for, for Frank Kirby to slip in behind, for Kirby to send it across to Russo. And we know what happens after that. Like, what I happens, mean, Flo? What happens? Chloe, 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 Chloe. Tell me, <laughs> tell me your reaction to that goal. And also, goalie's getting megged. Is that the most oh. embarrassing thing as a goalie? Because that was sensational. I lost my mind in that moment. Uh, didn't know where I was, lost concept of time, space, who I was, uh, where I was. And um, I will never forget that moment. It was just, um, I think, uh, to be fair, to be fair, um, in terms of from a goalkeeping perspective, I don't think she expected that it was going to come because I don't. the angle of Russo's body was away from the goal. No one is expecting that you come on and within two or three touches, you're going to try and meg the keeper from, from that distance. I just... Um, yeah, so I don't think it's... I, I tried looking at it and I was like, should you have done better? She's tried to go down and get the barrier. It's gone through her legs. Her barrier should have been better, but she didn't have a lot of chan- a lot of time to think about it. So that's just that's just pure brilliance from, from Russo. That's not a goalkeeping error for, for me. Um, but I don't, think, I don't think it's a goalkeeping error, but like, tell us what it's like to be megged as a goalie. Seriously, it's like... Um, <laughs> you might as well be wearing a, a, a bloody clown outfit. You just want to stand there and <laughs> you know everyone's laughing at you. You know it's going to be pits up in the analysis. You know that it's going to be a sort of a sore point. And also it plays on your mind for future games that that won't be happening again. So, yeah, it's disgusting. It's really, 
really disgusting. Um, but yeah, I mean, credit to Russo. What I didn't think that the, that the Swedish side did very well was whilst they brought on all their subs, they knew, they knew from all the games we'd played previously when our subs were going to be brought on and who those subs were going to be. And they failed to do anything about it to nullify any of the attacks. I mean, Russo came on in the 56th minute and the immediate impact that she had, I think she delivered that ball and Hemp just couldn't get onto it. And that was her first touch. That should have been a warning shot for them and it wasn't. They allowed her to run riot up top and um, yeah, that was their downfall. For me, I I was down the other end of the pitch for that Russo goal, but I had Russo in my lens. So I was like watching it happen. And as soon as the goal went in, I was like, did she just, did she just back heel? Like what did, you know, I, I was, and then what I loved was that they put it up on the big screen. To be honest, one thing I'll say for Lindal, people probably weren't looking at the Meg because she backheeled it. Like if she just like simply megged her, everyone would be like, oh, keep her got megged. Everyone was like, holy shit, she just backheeled the ball. And in her defense, it should not be being backheeled between two players. She had two players on her, two defenders on her. And I saw a really interesting comment from Kelly Smith under one of the videos saying she loved how Russo used the nudge from Seeger. So Seeger kind of comes in, gives her a nudge. She used that nudge to readjust her feet really quickly and then back heel it. And I just thought like seeing that broken down like that is just fascinating. So yeah, for me, the, the Russo goal was just ridiculous. But I also felt like this game showed us why Ellen White is so important to start because she ran that defence ragged. She got under the skin of Ericsson, which doesn't normally happen. She's normally quite like calm. Um, but you could see that she, between Ellen and Ericsson, I was getting niggly. Um, and I think that's what her job is. Even if she hasn't scored a goal, she will run that defence down. She'll run every ball down. And then you bring on Alessia Russo. Defenders are tired. She comes in towering over you with her speed. And uh, that's what happens. You get a backheeled nutmeg goal. Yeah, I have to I have to agree with you, Rachel, because I know I've been saying, you know, like White has kind of lost it a little bit over the last couple of years, but she did so much of the dirty work in that game. She she really kind of hustled. She was defending really well in that first half when England desperately needed her to, to drop back and help out. She was doing a sliding tackle, for fuck's sake. I don't think I've ever seen Ellen White do a sliding tackle before. It was unreal. Uh, and for in terms of the Russo goal, I was like in the best vantage point because I was like, my seats that I had were kind of like, nearish the corner flag but at the top of the first so like on the side and um yeah it was just like an un unbelievable uh and i just like fully lost my mind um and the celebrations afterwards as well like rachel georgia stanway in that cowboy hat like rachel I mean, daly doing a little dance any of those i did get um a, a lovely <laughs> moment between mary erps and maybe it was a goalkeeping coach because she'd had a little huddle with some of the some of the other players i think it was like leah williamson some of the defenders and then she just like dropped all her stuff, dropped her towel, dropped her gloves. It was a real like movie moment. A bit like me and Sophie outside post-match. Ran into his arms, jumped into his <laughs> arms. Big like punch up in the air and he spun her around. And it was, that was pretty cool. Um, they, all, they all went down the far end typically. But what's great is they had enough energy to come dancing the whole way round uh, the pitch. So yeah, I got some good like dance moves from Leah Williamson. Um, for someone who's so serious on the pitch, she is always up for a good time at the end of the match. Um, and yeah, just Ellen White as well. Just watching her reaction, seeing her finally um, get that final, and it was it was quite special seeing her welling up at the end for the right reasons. Yeah, it was just so emotional. It was just um, 
I don't know. Yeah, I mean, credit to the players. They're just putting the absolute performance of their lives, uh, especially in that second half. Um, you know, and I just feel like it, they deserved it. They deserved the accolades. And, you know, the crowd stayed around for, you know, 20, 30 minutes afterwards, waiting for them to do a whole lap of, of the pitch. I don't think anyone left to go home. Uh, and bearing in mind, we were in Sheffield and it was like half 10 and the trains were a mess and the M1 was closed down. People were not leaving. Um, and yeah, and then Sweet Caroline came on and it was just carnage after that. But you could just tell, I mean, a lot of the players are in tears and it made me feel you know very um yeah I think everyone everyone I mean I was I was sat next to Kirsty Hansen uh Gemma Perfield just down the line I had Jenna Scalacci and Josie Green in front of me and we all just looked at each other like I just want to be on the pitch of them I just want to I just want to I just want to go and give them a big hug and a clap on the back and like tell them to go off and eat as much bloody pizza and cake as you want go on enjoy yourselves <laughs> do you know what if I have to say one thing PA like man in charge of the music or woman in charge of the music they did not play the right section of Free From Desire because they didn't play the intro, which is the most important bit of the song. They you went straight into at the chorus for like 30 seconds. And also have to add, the PA announcer woman at halftime, I cannot believe at what England being 1-0 up, she went, so the Lionesses are halfway to the final. I was like, do not say that. Do not curse oh, this I team. I didn't catch that. I was absolutely fuming at that. Do you, know, do you know, oh my God, me, me and my friends said to each other, like, how can you say that? That is the biggest curse. And I was just praying that that didn't jinx it. Anyway, it was fine, obviously, but I was ready to lose my head with that woman at one point because I was like, we're not in the final yet. We are 1-0 up at halftime against one of the best teams in the world. That is certainly not in the final. Anyway, they did it and they did it in bloody style. We've also got to shout out Serena Wiegmann because I can't remember if it was Kirby's fourth, sorry, the fourth goal, the one that Kirby scored, or Russo's Meg, but like I looked over at the sideline and she was just in her suit, arms folded, like bloody done it, job done, mate. Uh, I would be doing a lap, I would do like a Mourinho knee slide, like down the side of the pitch if I was her, but we've only really seen her really like kind of lose it and, and celebrate after the Spain game because it was such a tough match. Like this one felt a lot more like, whoop, done, like, you know, like that's it on to the next one um and that is kind of Rachel what we've learned to love and 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 why Serena Vigman is just like so bloody good at what she does yeah she probably thought oh, I'm not doing that again it's all everyone bloody talked about it was everywhere as soon as I did like my little dance <laughs> and, and like got lifted up by Millie Bright so I'm gonna stay reserved and calm they will have nothing to to share of me um no but I think I think when you do when you end up winning it like that, the way they did, you know, I'd say she didn't look particularly comfortable in the first 20, 25 minutes. Um, but yeah, I'd say it's it's massive for her. And, and then she will, you know, I know they'd say one game at a time, but she will also be thinking of the fact, right, it's not going to go to extra time. You know, we've, we've got goals in us. This is good. This is what we need. This is the way you want to get through a match. Um, so yeah, I think I'm not wholly surprised that she wasn't kind of bouncing around the place too much. I, I She did do a little dance in the middle, I think, with the team. Um, but she was definitely, much more reserved um, and also on shout outs we've got to shout out the guys who were behind me at the end of the match um, they were doing some epic epic cheering so I, I took a nice little video of them and then they told me that they listened to the podcast and loved the podcast so that was very nice to hear so we did a nice little rendition of Sweet Caroline together and I had like my camera out filming all of us singing <laughs> and then like slap back in the middle of it one of them goes I love the pod <laughs> Come on, get in. So we can add that into the lyrics of Sweet Caroline if we can. So yeah, that was cool. And also, Rachel, that DM I got from that guy who was like, tell Rachel her pics are amazing or something, or she's a brilliant photographer. And he said that he was a massive fan of the pod. And actually, 
Rachel, it's a, it's a fabulous opportunity for us to shout out all the people that have been listening and sending us really kind messages. Like I've had so many chats in person with people this tournament, so many messages on social media and WhatsApps from people who've been really enjoying the content. So thank you so much, guys. Like we love recording this and obviously it helps that England are doing really well and the vibes are 10 out of 10 at the moment. Um, <laughs> But, you know, it's so much fun to just, like, really bring this show to you guys and, and create a show that all three of us just, like, love doing. And I think hopefully you guys appreciate that as well. Anyway. Hello, you're right. Uh, that was lovely. Oh, yeah, just, you know, a tear in my eye. We've got to talk about who they're going to be playing on Sunday. Though, no, because... before we talk about that, can we please just okay, have a second for, for Mary Earps, all right? I know we've, like, Sorry, touched yes, on her briefly. Sorry, yes, Union, goalkeepers But union. my God, come on. I mean, she was crucial in that game and I don't think you understand I mean you probably do understand I think everyone understands now <laughs> just how incredibly important some of the things that she did are and I think um you know I was listening to back to some of the because uh, I obviously watched the game in person and then re-watched it with the commentary back at home Snap. and um yeah, I mean, she has the most accurate passing stats of any player in this tournament so far. I mean, that alone, I know you're expected to have a higher, higher percentage because obviously you're playing out from the back quite a bit. But what she's done has been incredible. I don't think she's had any faults. And that save that she pulled off, I mean, getting her feet back. Oh, yeah, go on, Flo. You're going to prove I've me got wrong. Another stat. I've got another go stat on. for you. Chuck no, in no, another no. stat. Mary Earps has made more intensity sprints this tournament than Ellen White. You're joking. In fact, I believe it. I believe it. You you could tell me that Mary Earps flies to games uh, and flaps her wings to do that. And I, um, I'd believe you as well, because I just think um, she's a hero. I mean, the, the trajectory of that ball dropping in and the, the moment that that came in the game and her being able to push herself backwards and, and tip the ball over the bar like that, I think was absolutely incredible. And I think, um, yeah, she deserves a, a hero's welcome um, into Wembley. Well, they all do. But um, yeah, she's... She's been my, one of my favourite players to watch in this tournament so far. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. We have to move on then to who England are going to be playing at Wembley on Sunday. I mean, I know we talked a lot about France, but for me, this is the perfect finale because it's just two of football's biggest teams, uh, you know, with so much history as well in the men's and women's game. Germany defeating France 2-1 in Milton Keynes. Uh, this was a really, really fun game. Um, slightly strange atmosphere because I think it, it felt like it was mainly neutrals there rather than like there was a little sprinkling of France, a little sprinkling of Germany, but then a lot of people had come because they wanted to watch a really good game of football. Um, but, I mean, it's basically like Alexandra Pop FC, right, guys? I mean, she, that's what, six goals in five games for her. She's obviously tied with Beth Meat for the Golden Boot. Um and uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it. I guess the first question, Rachel, you were there at, at MK Dons. Do you think France chucked this away a little bit? They had a lot of good chances. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I think. Well, first of all, I'm 
chuffed that we got a prediction right because obviously we said Sweden England would be close and that was massively wrong but we Chloe and I both said 2-1 for Germany so I'm quite chuffed about that that was as soon as the final whistle went that was my first thought which was weird I was like I got one right um but yeah I thought Germany did really well to stop France coming out of the blocks really fast um France did have chances in the first half, but I thought they were great at like smothering those those wingers. Um, so they weren't getting that kind of frightening pace right from the get-go. Um, I also thought that they they went not that they went down a lot. There were a few little dives there from Germany, and I think that was part of the plan of breaking up France's rhythm. So they, they weren't getting into the flow the same way they normally would, um, because Germany kept breaking that down. Um and they stopped them scoring early. And I think that was key. I know France got the goal back immediately after Germany, right at the death of the first half. But I think the fact that Germany scored first and stopped France scoring early was a massive reason that they actually went on to win the match. And I know I keep banging on about the fact that France haven't scored in a second half in this tournament. But I think when their weakest area is their mentality, their heads, I just think that can get to them. And yeah, they just could not put the ball in the back of the net. Uh, in that second half and they had quite a few chances I think in terms of identifying potential weak areas for Germany they allowed France they allowed players time on the ball in the box quite a few times where I thought this is definitely a goal and it either went over wide hit the bar was saved so yeah I think France are, are will be upset with themselves that they didn't put away some of those chances. Yeah, I think, um, you know, from the get-go, I think it was a very open game. You, you really couldn't say for a very long time which way it was going to go. And I think um, we all predicted that it was going to be quite a fast-paced game. Uh, and they, their styles of play are, are sort of very very similar, I think, um, in terms of their intensity, passing patterns, especially in the midfield. And, you know, what we did see was that there was quite a few attacks and counter-attacks happening very early on because the spaces were just open up behind really early so it was definitely an exciting game to see I think um France slightly had the um well Germany I think had the upper hand um from the te- from the pure fact that I think France gave away too many opportunities to Germany at the edge of their box I mean there was like a couple of set pieces that came one after the other at the edge of your box which immediately put them under pressure and if it wasn't for a, you know an absolutely outstanding save from their goalkeeper I think um they would have been very clearly on the back foot for a lot of the game so yeah I don't think their game management was particularly I think Germany probably had the upper hand in that respect, but very evenly matched game. It was, um, yeah, it was exciting to watch. I felt like the first half was like two heavyweight boxers just trading blows, trying to get the knockout punch. You know, it was back and forth. You look at the stats, it was 50-50% possession. Um, and you're right, it was really open. It was really stretched. It was, you know, I just, yeah, it was it was a, quite an epic game. I'm glad I kind of lived up to what we're expecting. I, knew, I know we didn't see loads of goals, but it, it felt exciting. And yeah, I think that that was the best description of it. Just two heavyweights going at it. It was it was good. Yeah, it felt... I mean, I was sitting there with my friend and I turned to him and I was like, France are going to equalise. Like, France France are going to equalise. Even after Germany got that winner, I was like, France are going to get something to take this game to extra time because the match just had that air to it. I was like, if any game's going to go to penalties, I think it's going to be this one. But... At the end of the day, German, Germany were just so German in the way that they just saw out the game. Like, they gave away some silly free kicks towards stoppage time and towards, like, the, the, the 90. And I thought, oh, they're really letting France get a look in at finding this equaliser. But they just saw out the game. They saw out the game. They were so smart. And really, the transformation of this team in the last six months has been pretty phenomenal. Like, we know we didn't see the the real Germany at the Arnold Clark Cup because of COVID and because of injuries. But I don't think many people thought that they were going to be 
as good as they have been based on their recent performances, based on major tournament performances, things like that. So, I mean, England are going to have a hell of a battle on Sunday because they just look like such a total package and where France would have been so dangerous going forward. Like, they just don't have what teams that get to finals and win things have. It's that complete picture that you just look at a team and you think they are ready to win something. And that's why... Germany terrify me, but impress me at the same time. When you have someone who's in the absolute form of their life, like Alexandra Pop is, who just like, you know, everything she touches turns to gold. England are going to really have a tough time trying to contain her, but we don't want to get into too much preview chat because we are going to do a preview pod on the weekend and have that out ready for the big finale. Um, So this is, you know, mainly reflection on that game. But um, I mean, Chloe, do you think France can look back on this tournament still thinking it's been a success because they broke that curse of of, of getting beyond the quarterfinal? But really, so many people had them down as as maybe going a little bit deeper than they did. Massively. I think they've made history for themselves and I think that's been really impressive and I think they've highlighted themselves actually as um, you know a big contender for future competitions because they have the basis of being, I mean they're already phenomenal but they have the basis of stepping that up if they just sort of tweak a few things in their game. I mean the intensity they have in the first half is unmatched with any teams that we've seen in this competition and I think we actually saw that intensity it drifted off a bit in the second half but we saw it back again for like the last last 10 minutes of that game when they were obviously losing and had to get that equalising goal back again. And, you know, that when they're on top form and when they're all going at it, they are an absolute force to be reckoned with. And they're so, so difficult to defend against um, because of the pace and the power that their players have up top. So for me, I think, um, yeah, I think they're going to be ones to watch sort of going forwards. And I think, I, you know, I, I see them enter in the final stages of, of future tournaments. But um, yeah, I think it was the right result at the end of the day. So yeah, it's going to be um, a very interesting game on Sunday. But that's all I'll say. We're not previewing. Rachel, Karine Diacra, she's looked like a Bond villain this entire tournament. We know there's a mentality issue there. We know that, you know, the culture of the squad doesn't seem right. Do you think the French Football Federation are finally going to move on and get someone else? Or do you think the fact that she got to a semi-final is enough for her to, to stick stick on here? I mean, given she's still there after everything that's gone on, I don't think this will necessarily knock her off her perch. Um, I'm kind, It sounds bad on the actual players that are in the squad, but I'm kind of glad they didn't get through to the final because it would almost she could justify not bringing her Eugenie Sommer or Amandine Henri, which is still blows my mind. Um, but I, she seems like Teflon, nothing sticks. So I reckon she'll she'll probably stay in the job. Um, I think, yeah, I think I agree with you, Chloe, in terms of France's tournament. Um, and also remembering that they've got quite a young squad, which is quite frightening. So I think they will go on to do even bigger and better things. The fact that they've gotten rid of that um, semi-final, uh, not getting into a semi-final for so long, they've gotten rid of that hangover now, which will be... Um, key but I think the main area they'll need to look at is goals and I think probably losing Katoto so early in the in the tournament didn't help but if you rely on one player this is what happens so I think they need to be that's one area they'll probably need to look at well we've got so much to look forward to ahead of Sunday and we will be back with a preview pod um and I think I need just like a couple of hours to kind of like reset before I even think about how exciting, nerve-wracking and terrifying Sunday is going to be. But for now, thank you all for listening to Upfront. If you've got any questions, you can tweet us at Football Ramble, at Floyd Tweet, at Girls on the Ball or at Morgie underscore 89. Uh, yeah, we will see you back here on the feed on Saturday for our preview of the final where England could rewrite history. No pressure then.
Upfront is a Stack Production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. 